Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benetara Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today we're talking about kindergarten redshirting, academic redshirting to give young children extra time to grow physically, cognitively, and emotionally so they can be more successful in school. In particular, should summer birthday boys be held back an extra year before starting kindergarten? It's become common practice in many private schools and in many high socioeconomic status public school districts. I'm at the table today with parents at different stages of asking this question, one of whom was a kindergarten teacher and a grandmother who is a retired educator. I am with Jamie Applebaum, Lindsay Nyberg, and Martina Newman. So many parents are struggling and confused with this question. Let's start with Martina, who has already made this decision for her boys. Martina, tell us how you and Harris made the decision and why this is still an ongoing question for you. Well, um, the decision was extremely difficult. Um, it was, we felt that, Harris and I felt it was like the biggest decision that our little, you know, five-year-old that we, we were making for him. And it was, as we thought about it, it was going to really affect him for life. Um, and really what ended up happening was um, we decided, uh, we looked at all of our school options and we decided that we were going to go private um, instead of public. And um, in discussing, you know, my son's development needs and um, where he was maturity-wise um, with his current teachers as well as with the school that he was going to be attending, we decided to go back, hold him back a year, not send him forward to kindergarten with his peers, but to um, do junior kindergarten, which the at this particular school, the curriculum was going to be different, so it wasn't going to be a complete repeat. Um, still a lot of the same, if you want to say, in kindergarten academics base, um, but he was still going to be challenged in different ways other than what he would have already experienced in pre-K. In addition, we were so unsure of our decision that um, we actually, last minute, decided to meet with the um, director of the or of admissions for the school that my son was attending, uh, or is attending now, and just went over our decision. We thought maybe we should really just consider going to kindergarten, pushing him forward, we went through the class, decided, you know, he was going to be the youngest boy. All the other younger children were going to be girls. He mm -hmm. was a summer birthday. When's, and when's Garrett's birthday? Garrett's birthday is June 27th. 
Um, and the cutoff is obviously September 1st. Um, and when we looked at the rest of the children, there were already a significant amount of children entering that class that were already six. So they right because they were the children who who did who were right. redshirted the year before. Right. And and how can I send my five year old in with the class of students that were already six? Okay. So this so that's part of the stress and drama is that there it's this self perpetuating cycle once it's begun. Right. So how old is Garrett now? What grade is he going well, into? Well, Garrett is six, um, turning seven in just a couple days, and he just completed kindergarten. He will be in first grade come August. So and I'm you made the excited. same decision for well, Drew. And we we've made the same decision for my younger son. And it was a it's a constant dialogue in our house. We shouldn't compare children. Mm-hmm. Um, each child is different. Each child learns <clears throat> differently. But at the end of the day, although my older son and my younger son are quite different in terms of their learning style, I hate to say this, but I think my younger son is a lot quicker, and if you were to consider an academic platform, I would say at this stage of the game was further advanced than my young, my older son, mm-hmm. but when we look at not just the academic piece, we look at his happiness. My older son is so happy. He's a leader in his class. He um, comes home, and he just loves school. School and we really feel that keeping him that second that year um, gave him confidence and gave confidence, him maturity exactly um, and leadership responsibilities exactly okay. and that is our decision for our younger son is you know though I think he could probably do it right. um, but we want to give him that foundation of an extra year to be a leader to be um, just confident and a happy kid. Happy, at the end of the day, as long as my kids are happy, that's what matters. It's not even academics, because okay. there's lots of research out there that says it has no They're academic all catch value. Up by fourth grade, right. Holding them back. Right. But um, it's at the end of the day, looking forward. Okay, and so I'm, I know it's still a hot topic for you, even though you're very happy and reassured by your mm-hmm. decision. I will come back to some of the fears and the questions looking future, looking into the future. So, Lindsay, you were a kindergarten teacher, and you have a boy who is a little younger, but when's his birthday? His Jake's birthday is August 23rd. He will be turning two, and he will be starting the fall twos at Benetora. Okay, so you are starting the twos, um, as you would. Um, right. And so... We're going to start and let him be the youngest. Um, he'll be two while the rest of his peers are, turn- are going to be turning three. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to watch him, especially me having had practice, you know, with 10 years of teaching and being in kindergarten and first grade. Um, I'm going to watch him and monitor him. In all areas, as Martina was saying, not just academically, but socially, emotional, every every area that you could think of, and see how he does, and then reevaluate, look at how he did, and if he is happy, did he make friends? Did he sh- struggle academically? You know, every um, aspect that we can look at, we're going to take into consideration. Okay, so let me just jump back to Martina, because both your boys were very happy 
um, through the preschool year, all Absolutely. the way through pre-K. And had even the, I mean, they were, they were social. They were little mayors in the classes. They had a lot of leadership skills. Um, they were not watchful learners. So if you were, if, if you didn't, if somebody from outside of your family wasn't asking these questions about their future success, you were completely blindsided that this was something you had to be asking. So now, Lindsay, so, so you know, like watching may not give you um, the, the information, except that you have this teacher hat and a mommy hat. So tell me how, how you flip back and forth between teacher hat and mommy hat and what you know generally about summer birthday boys. So as a kindergarten teacher that has been teaching for 10 years, and I'm going back when Jake goes to kindergarten, so we'll have another 10 under there, um, there's a pattern that I can, without looking at birth dates, the first day of school, I can tell you who are my summer birthday boys mm-hmm. just by meeting them, testing them, interacting with them. By the end of the first week of school, I know who they are. Okay. I know who's my June, July, and August because they tend to be more immature, um, So describe the potential struggles and the vulnerability that you see beginning the school year with those summer birthday boys. So those boys tend not to be as happy as their peers. They struggle in most areas. I mean, it's there was, per year, I always have one summer birthday boy that does not fit the mold. So there's your... Your difference right there is that you can't just cookie cutter it and say all summer birthday boys will be behind. Mm -hmm. There was one that was the smartest in the class Mm -hmm. and made the most friends out of anybody. So you always have, you know, every kid is different. But in general, um, those boys did not do as well in kindergarten. They got pushed on to first grade because they just made it academically um, after taking tests. And they just, they didn't appear as well-rounded, I guess you can say would be the word, as their peers. Okay, so now Janie, you have a large perspective on this because... Because I'm old. Because we (laughs) are from a time when Mm -hmm. schools adapted to children rather than children adapting Mm -hmm. to schools. The old developmental criteria was... I'm sorry, just go with, I mean, National Association for Education of Young Children 20 years was very clear on this policy. And they would say, sorry, you know, if you're chronologically ready, it is the school's responsibility to developmentally meet each child's needs and to be Mm -hmm. able to individualize both for development, for temperament, for learning styles, for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that is not the position anymore. So Mm -hmm. describe what what your experience is first as an educator and then as a grandmother. Okay, first as an educator. I always found it interesting that we clump together children the way we do in the public school setting. I I find it fascinating that we're asking a group of kids to come from from ethnically different backgrounds, from culturally different backgrounds, from financially different backgrounds, um, from various neighborhoods, put them all together in this microcosm of a classroom, and then say, you're all going to learn A, B, C together, and you're all going to complete this by the end of the year without taking into account 
their birth order, their gender, their emotional development, their social development, their cognitive development. I, I just always reflected on that at the beginning of every single school year because my students were so varied and different. Um, and no, they did not succeed that way. Um, and many kids from my high school background of teaching dropped out. I did have a lot of dropouts. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to speak to the administration and try to catch that and did not get the support needed. But when I went to school, we, we had this discussion at dinner tonight. I, I said, why is it that I was always the oldest and I'm a February baby? And then I realized, I think January was, December the, 30th, yeah. right, was the cutoff. So my friends that are January, February babies, that's we when we, we were the oldest. Um, at some point in time, we said, in high, by the time they reach high school, they definitely catch up. And if they don't, then we have mechanisms. We have gifted programs. We have baccalaureate programs. We have honors. We have all these various. But we don't have that early, early on. So we're asking kids to succeed, and they very well may not be ready to do that. Um, I'm, I'm very nervous as a grandmom to see my baby going. I said, he's, he can't even have a, a lunchbox and a backpack. He's too little. How can, <laughs> how can he even walk with these things, let alone go and succeed? But, you know, of course, I'm going to support whatever Stu and Lindsay say and, and see how it goes and, and, and watch Jake's development. But I find it interesting that you all said the word boys and nobody said the word girls. And do you, have a, do you have something to say about that? From I definitely do because I had identical twin boys and I also have Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, being a May baby, was youngest and she was fine and ready. My twins, on the other hand, were not. And we actually did two years of the four-year-old program or the three-year-old program so that they would fit in with their ready-to-go so time. So you felt that coming um, totally felt it. You coming. didn't redshirt them. They we went on because they, right. they were October, they were so they October. were always the oldest. But in addition to anticipation of knowing them and who they are, you made sure that they had that. Well, language will start early. I think language was the biggest factor. And sitting still and fine and motor. Sitting still. Huh. Um, and the worst comment one of their early on teachers made to me was, uh, "He just doesn't sit still." And I'm thinking to myself. And why should he? He's, and why should he? He's a boy, number one. Number two, it's not normal to sit still all day. Do you sit still all day? No, we don't. And I was very, very offended by that. And I thought, if that's the way they're getting treated so early on, we're, we're, this is not good. There's going, to be, there's going to be these judgments. There's going to be this self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, you don't fit. You're not in compliance with mm -hmm. our expectations. Um, and, and, the, and I do believe, certainly over the last 20 years, that those boundaries have gotten narrower and narrower as academics have become more accelerated. I mean, these are not kindergartens with centers anymore. These are not, these, we, they may not have recesses. I mean, these are skill-based, um, a lot of rote learning, a lot of, you know, it will, and you will, you know, you will hit these checkpoints all at the same time, you know, at sometime by the time you get graduate from this year. I read an article, um, may, many people have, may have read it, um, it's about Finland and how 
their students are just succeeding and happy and language doing rich, so literacy well. rich environments, numeracy and rich problem solving, science based inquiry methods, right. innovation, and we're and not going to do the, the literacy skill base till eight years of age. Right. You know, wait for eye development to catch mm-hmm. up, wait for the, the cognitive to put a foundation under those skills. You know, um, you know, I have stories of many, many children who took alternative paths, and when they went into the public schools, their teachers had to give them unsatisfactory, and yet they came from hugely literate homes where mm-hmm. mom was reading Jack London's Call of the Wild to pre- a pre-K boy, but when he went to first grade, he was not having skills because she did not encourage skill-based learning through any of his early childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she said, go ahead. And it was actually a parent in this program when I came here who I told the story when everybody was panicking about the rush to early academics. And she said, I was his teacher. And I said, well, you were the most fabulous teacher in the world because you said to the parent, I know what he knows. I know where he is. I will support and help move him forward by still respecting your family standards. Eighth grade, he was reading Beowulf. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he, 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 but, he, but to be, to, if you choose not to redshirt, and if you choose not to pigeonhole or, or steer children into these, you know, overly academic kindergarten, first grade, second grade experiences, um, you will have to be a lifelong advocate for your children. And, and that you have to do without, um, you know, with your child, with, with your child somehow, ch- children do know at kindergarten and first grade, they know at three and four how to compare themselves to their peers, what they're good at, what they're not good at. So you have to be ready to buffer and, 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 and support your children through that process. Exactly. I was talking with my husband, and he had said that he was the youngest in his class, even though he was a September baby, he should have been the oldest if he lived in Florida, but he lived in Chicago. And so he was the youngest, and he said that it's not just um, kindergarten, but even in high school for baseball tryouts, he was rejected at first because, you know, he was little. And, uh, and I mean, now he's not so little. So, <laughs> and he's very successful in sports and does very well. Uh, but he always felt that he felt like he was little and he felt mm-hmm. he was the last to get his driver's license and mm-hmm. to drink and age 21 in college, so it goes all the way mm-hmm. through I think it does, and when I talk, I'm going to put Martina on next, because I, that was one of the questions I will ask parents when they say to me, what do I want for my child? I will say, well, let's imagine high school, because redshirting mm-hmm. did start as a sports mm-hmm. process, so mm-hmm. that, and, and, and Gladwell says the outliers who are the oldest will be most successful mm-hmm. because they have the leadership and the confidence. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and for me, I think, you know, whether it's peer pressure in middle school, that driver's license, all of those things, thinking that this decision does matter for high school. So, And, and it's ex- it part of the outliers is part of it is also the exposure, being, being able to take that time. Like I think there was an example where computer labs were brand new. And, um, you know, if you were, you know, if you had that extra time, you could have experimented on a computer Versus, you know, if you had, you know, not been, uh, you know, and you'd graduated. But, because um, that was an example in the book. But uh, absolutely, it started out as sports. And this is nowhere near sports. And that was never really ever our consideration in looking at, should we, you know, hold Garrett back? And though Garrett is small, <laughs> um, and he probably won't be a giant compared to, because his parents are very small, um, 
But it is more about, at the end of the day, when we think about his overall happiness. Will he be happy? And will he, you know, then take that time to find a love for learning and find that love to say, you know, I really love math, I really love science, and have that extra time to kind of dig deep and relish it. Um, So for us, sports were were not a factor because it was... Well, see, so what I want, and, and part of that is like, does it make it easier to look into the future or harder? It was hard because, I mean, we kept asking. I, I kept going back and forth. I really want to send him forward with his peers. Like, he should be going forward with his peers. But at the same time, after talking with the, the experts, the teachers, and um, admissions, and everyone said there is nothing bad that can happen There's the not, gift the of research time, is showing the that the lo- that the kids in high school are happy and feel successful so that is relevant the pe- the person that stuck struggles is often the teacher because she's going to have those young 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 kids that are coming in chronologically and she's going she or he is going to have the older children but I want to go one place else before we move forward and that is unpacking what it means to be happy because I think that's a very elusive concept and so what I want to put out here is that having maturity is having your upstairs brain manage your downstairs brain it's having emotional self-regulation it's having that impulse control Mm -hmm. it's having that delayed gratification and that can't come of by some you, you can't spoon feed it there are no shortcuts to it you have to go through this developmental process of practicing life and struggles and mistake making you know when somebody takes your bucket on the playground you know you have to you have to problem solve negotiate and manage the reactive part of yourself the same thing is going to be true with, let's say, with the accelerated academics. It's not just knowing the information, but it's managing the pressure of, I'm going to start taking SAT preps, maybe in middle school. People, you know, like, how do you manage a stressful world, even if it's age-appropriate stress for our little people? So, and that, I think, is a key to happiness, which is saying, if I can give you a gift of executive function of self-management then you can enjoy your life the moment and see you know you're going to feel more peaceful and and in control of yourself your body um, and the unpredictable stuff in your social relationships and your world so that's I I think only because we all want our kids to be happy but how do you know when they're when they're thriving for themselves I have a question for you Martina Um, I, I think the first thing I think about is language when I think about redshirting because I know with my boys that was a huge problem and it definitely affected them from kindergarten all the way probably to middle school. The fact that they were identical twins, that they didn't have language development, um, that, that was a big problem. Did you have any red flags that you were concerned about? that hit you immediately before you made this decision? Or did you just say, oh, his age is summer baby, that's why I should do this? It was to step back when Garrett was going from the threes into um, pre-K. It was brought to our attention that um, maybe he should repeat the threes and not move forward to pre-K. And... It was a, a surprise. It's 
to us, um, but uh, after meeting again with the teachers and the experts, Garrett did have speech. He had, you know, speech issues, um, which he did get um, intervention um, in the twos and, and, and in the threes. Um, but it was more like um, the teachers at the time felt that he wasn't um, developing uh, his ABCs and things like that, uh, where he wouldn't recognize letters and he was farther behind. Long story short, um, he actually, his personality, uh, if you don't push my older son, he will try to um, glide through, and um, if you ask him what a particular letter was, he would just say, I don't know, so the teachers didn't think he knew when in fact So he could he just go play. Know. That's right. All he wanted to do was play, play, play. So going into that experience, going into pre-K, we knew that, okay, pre-K is going to be a challenge for us, and we have to make sure the teachers are on board because, hey, we have a big decision to make next year about kindergarten, what we're going to do. When we decided that we were going to hold Garrett back and go into um, do, uh, junior kindergarten, it was more of the basis of maturity. We didn't feel that he was mature, not that he couldn't grasp the concepts, um, but it, and it wasn't necessarily language because he had, I mean, he had made such, I mean, it was an amazing year. The teachers are amazing and what they were able to accomplish with him. He was caught up for the most part in terms of academically. So we could have pushed him forward, um, but he just was so immature. But immature. Don't you hear, but see, that, that crazy part, there's that, there's that evaluation structure. And in so much of what you described, I mean, here you have a perfectly developing, happy, very happy, um, self-determining little guy. And the school knows pre-K is prep for kindergarten. Kindergarten's prep for first grade. And so all of a sudden there's this overlay, and it's and it's not intended as such, but it feels like pressure. And so it is this little molding and modeling that starts to happen very early, even at three. And so yes, the teachers are successful, but you know what my what I'm writing down here is, you know, like when you hear those evaluations, and, and a great developmental program is giving you the feedback, like how does your child compare, not in a comparison sense, but just in a sense of, just so you have an idea of how your child, it's not that everybody should be doing the same, it's that everybody has their own little fit in this puzzle. And so you start to feel that the pressure and a little sense of failure, like, oh no, he, we have to get him caught up. And even that language, to my ears is like, wait a second, there's something in this process that makes parents feel like their child is not right, is not where they ought to be, should be, need to be, where the reality is that redshirting should be this liberation thing mm -hmm. that says, I know who your child is, we are here to complement and support and, 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 and help but it's but it's but at the same time we can still i would hope trust and honor that each child's journey is exactly the journey for them we're not going right. to change garrett right. we're not going to change drew we're not going to make garrett into drew drew into garrett jake into anybody you know they have to somehow but there's something in this language and that's where I, that you get to that fear that sense of failure that sense of how's he going to be successful all his life if already now i've got these questions on the table and, that and says hmm. i fell into the trap sure Even with with drew 
my older son just completed kindergarten. And though we had always intended to hold him back, I got, you know, I'm like, well, I know what Garrett did. Garrett's doing addition. He's on the verge of subtraction. He's reading. He's writing, like, journals and books and amazing. And I look at my younger son, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there is no way that we can put him in that environment. No way. So um, so I fall into the trap where you're, like, you're evaluating and you're second-guessing and you don't know what you want to do. And it's like, well, I'm just going to go with my gut. And my gut says that if I can give him the gift of time to find himself, to develop on his own, on his own terms, then that's what we're gonna do. And as you, and I'm gonna put it on to you now as the kindergarten teacher, um, because we're, we're, at, we're now at a kindergarten level, and then I'm gonna ask you to backtrack it back through the preschool years. But it's, because I think you have the perspective of this is not those evaluations and that feedback and Janie as a developmental person who knows how to support kids. There's something wrong in the system, but each of us as individuals never intends the conversation to feel the way it feels to the parents hearing it. It's um, overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And but but truly, and it's what you said earlier: the gift of time can't really ever be wrong. So take it away, Lindsay. How do, you, how do you make sure that that message and is, is, is something that honors the children who were your students and as you're evaluating and observing Jake over the next few years, knowing the expectations, the demands, and maybe the pressures that come with growing up in our world um, will be okay? So the pressures are getting worse and worse, as many of us know. And even teachers are dropping like flies because they can't take it anymore. It's just, it doesn't feel morally right. It doesn't feel good. And Thank you. Because there's a whole other balance to this equation. I yes. mean, this is a complicated equation. It's both sides. It's the teachers are feeling it. The kids are feeling it. Everybody except for the lawmakers are probably feeling it. So just to be honest, um, the demands are incredible. I don't want to have to see any other children go through what's being demanded. I would love for my son and for everybody else, everybody else's children to be able to grow up the way I did, where we were free to be creative and innovative and ready when we're ready. And, and how what, will you balance that as a mom with Jake? So it's I'm having a really tough time. Okay. I'm going to be honest. It's a very tough um, predicament because as a teacher, it's so easy for me to say, red shirt, do okay. it. Okay. I'm so in favor of it. As a teacher, I really don't want your babies to be coming in crying and screaming and upset and distressed. And maybe one or two will be fine, but a good majority won't. And as a teacher, I would say, do it. It's the and best it, decision you can make. And as a parent. And as a parent... I don't know. I, I'm very torn because I, I'm worried that, you know, if I do redshirt him and hold him back, that there might be some type of stigma being the oldest and saying, well, why does he get to do everything first from his peers? You know, what, what, what makes him different? How is he different in this way? And then I'm worried about him being judged because people are incredibly judgmental. And then just passing judgment saying, well, he's only smart because his mommy held him back. 
<laughs> you know, I, you, you never know what people are going to think or do, and I'm not one to care yeah. about that, but I don't know how he's going to be. Okay, so, and I love the questions because you've now brought it down to the mom of a two-year-old, and you've put on the table the fears and the overwhelmingness of this decision. And so one of my takeaways is going to be, you know that being a parent in this day and time means no matter what you choose, you're going to second guess it and you're going to do have the what ifs. What I know for both of you and for everybody out there is that no matter what you choose, you're always filling in pieces of a puzzle. There's no decision that you don't have to keep working at. You know what I always say? It's like it's, if we want process for kids, if it's all about the journey for them, it's all about the journey for us. And that means no matter what you choose, it's not like made a decision, good, check it off, on to the next one. No, it's made a decision. I'm still on this balance beam or worse, tightrope that says don't lean too far this way, don't lean too far this way. So if he goes, you you have to prepare your mantras for why am I the oldest mommy? Why am I this? Why? And, and, and again, he's not going to say mommy in high school, but you right. know that idea of whatever he brings you from his world and whatever your boys bring you, you will find ways to answer those questions. Why did you make that decision for me? And so... It starts early because Garrett... There are, he has, I mean, he went Starts. on to, you know, junior kindergarten, and some of his peers went to kinder, kindergarten from B'nai Torah. And he knew they were, he, they were in the same class. So from the very beginning, from, like, orientation, that very first day, even before school had started, we, I, we sat down to, with a friend of ours, and um, that little girl was going into kindergarten, and he was going into junior kindergarten, and they looked at each other and they're like, well, how come we're not in the same class? And so it starts that early. Mm-hmm. They know, they realize it, and even to today, I mean, I, Garrett still asks the question, you know, they're, they're, but my, you know, my friends, they're, all, they're older, they're in kindergarten, and I was in junior kindergarten. And it's true, but the way I just dealt with it was, you know, your birthday just fell differently. And because of, of that, the school has, you know, certain guidelines and, and you're just going to be in a different class, but it doesn't mean anything. And was that unsettling for him when you had the conversation or was it, no, did it, it gave him some, it, some it peace just, of mind? It gave him peace of mind. He needs he answers. Just, they he, just need an answer. He was just like, okay. And whether, I mean, I do believe that for every difficult subject out there that you will ever face, once you know how you feel about it, once you own your decisions and go, this was the best decision I can make for today, you can, you, they may not always like your decisions. They might come to you when you're a grandmother and say, I can't believe you chose that for me. But the, and, and there's going to be a couple of those. But the reality is no matter what you choose, you can articulate it and explain it with very simple mantras or very simple explanations for your ch- to satisfy your children's. The only other thing that I can tell Garrett is... Because we held him back, he will be the oldest in doing everything. Um, he'll do everything first. And I can also tell him that I was the oldest always in my class. And I got to do everything first. I drove first. I got So I had my license first. I um, was able to go to a bar first. I was able to um, you know, get a job first. I, I did things first. And, and making it personal is such a better heartfelt conversation than trying to explain it as an abstract principle. So yes, everybody, go for the heart. No, you know, feel it and share that. And and that's what I can offer him is knowing that 
is reassuring him that, you know, mommy was always the oldest in everything that she did uh, because her friends were younger, so she got to drive first and she got to, you know, take her friends home first um, in the car. And it was just, um, it's just that experience to say, hey, it's pretty cool to be in that seat. I think if uh, your attitude projects, projects onto your children and if they see that you're comfortable with a decision, they're going to buy into it. And it's so much better than I have a sister who was held back in second grade. So, so much better to do this early, early on when they really don't they have don't their friendships developed. And they, you have neighborhood parties, but you also have friends from school and you also have friends from Hebrew school. So, but when you're held back in your school, that's that stays with you for life. I and will say, and because every parent out there is going to feel like when we have that, when a school has that conversation with you, whether it's the twos, the threes, pre-K or kindergarten, that it might feel like a trauma experience for your child. But really, truly, these are the years to, to experiment and, and play with that rather than second grade, fourth grade. And I think before when, I think you might have said the gift of time, that is, a, that is exactly the terminology I used to use with my developmentally delayed students because I used to say to them, it really doesn't matter when you graduate. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. What matters is that you complete this process. And we do that with college. It's totally acceptable to take, in college take five years. to take Absolutely. Lindsay's two years of a master's degree or take five years and I didn't make up my mind yet, and that's perfectly acceptable, then why is that not acceptable early on? Good, good, good example. All right, let's do our wrap-up. I'm going to put Janie on first because um, you might have some things. I know you have a lot that you were going to share tonight, but my wrap-up is always the same, and it's how have you got this? So even though you don't know the future, even though the decisions that you will be making over the next few years are, are, have a lot of uncertainty and unknowns to them, how have you got this for right here, for right now? Well, I think I made the comment at dinner to Lindsay is that we would never expect a newborn baby to act like a nine-month-old baby. So in that nine months of that school year, why are we expecting children to all fit into this mold? And we should take a step back, look at each child individually, and just know and go, like you said, with your gut and your heart, and you'll make the right decision. Thank you. I've got this. <laughs> I, I feel Because we're coming back to do this again in four, five years. You know, I feel really good and reassured after this podcast. Um, Jake is, personally, Jake's an amazing kid. He's going to rock this world whether I hold him back or whether I push him on he's going to be who he is because of who he is and I will support him in any way possible and we'll get it together you have it together (laughs) Martina how have you got this I've got this because I I truly feel that I have I did my due diligence I've consulted with the experts um, I've done a lot of thinking, um, a lot of discussions with uh, my husband. Um, we've looked at both of our boys, and um, they're, they're going to succeed um, no matter where we place them. And I think that um, 
just the reassurance every day when I pick my kindergartner now kindergartner now first grader um, up from school and just seeing his confidence, his happiness, um, and he wants to go to school every day and he's not frustrated. He's not. Frustrated. He's not frustrated and he's ready for the next challenge. And I truly believe that the educators um, in the classroom who are extremely and beyond talented um, will be able to if challenge him even further than, um, you know, where he'll, they'll, they'll get him where he needs to be. They, they will bring him to the next level. And I truly believe in that. And so that's how I feel like I've got that. It's a community and we work together and everyone wants the children to succeed. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it is, it is with love and is, it is with um, just joy that, you know, everyone wants our children to succeed. And that's how I feel like I've got this. I love it. And this was one of those big, big, big questions. And this was a big overwhelm. And this was something that many of you are probably still feeling out there. And I think that what you hear today is um, feel all your feelings. Get all those fears out there. Have the conversations with everybody that's on your team, um, your, 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 your spouses, your families, your educators, your educational team, your friends, and you really do have this. And some decisions are going to feel harder than others. But when you get on the other side of them, if you honor yourself and your children through them, I know you got this. Cheers, moms. Cheers. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.